0: Father, we want to thank you so much as we um, even begin our, our staff devo- devotions. Lord, we want to acknowledge you. We want to thank you, Lord. We, 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 we have your name. Father, uh, we um, are so glad that you have uh, given us scripture, that you have inspired it, that it is the means for us to know you and understand this world that you have created, the one that we are in. In fact, our very lives have been created by you. And Lord God, I pray that as we discuss Genesis today... As we talk about it, Lord, that not only would we get a richer understanding of this book that you have left us, but that we would uh, bring out um, your intent and your thoughts from this, that it would affect our our lives, that we would see humanity even um, in Genesis, and we would see your interactions with us um, as your creation even. Uh, I pray, Lord God, that, that this discussion would be led by your Holy Spirit. We invite the <coughs> Holy Spirit even in here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, hey, uh, well, it's 2018 and we're kicking off our first staff devotion. And the the goal of this, actually, if you're listening in, is to help you, um, and I guess help all of us, uh, wrap our heads around the book of Genesis. Um, there are uh, a range of Things that we could be discussing about Genesis, and uh, and I'm sure lots and lots of ways to cut the book of Genesis. But a good overarching the uh, good uh, overarching rule of thumb for how to handle this is let's aim this at a grassroots level for the average. person. Christian who who wants to be Bible-based, who wants to be grounded in God's word, have a good understanding of God's word to be able to read through and process through Genesis. That means that then in the back of your head, you have to know some things about the book of Genesis. It's in the Old Testament, right? It's in the first, right? uh, Is how does it relate to science? Uh, uh, What what? what's in the book of Genesis right like covers uh, creation and these uh, epic events through to um, the genealogies and the and the life of Abraham and his descendants uh, what are the major themes what are the major themes of Genesis what kind of things does it cover when you're reading any particular uh, part of Genesis how does that fit in with both Genesis and and the rest of the Bible Um what do you do with some of the contradictions that are in Genesis? What do we do with, uh, what's this, the style? What kind of style of book um, is Genesis? And, so, uh, and, and, you know, in particular, I guess the Hebraic writing style, uh, which is much of the Old Testament, uh, how do we handle that? And so the goal is not to deal with this from an academic point of view. And so we will veer into academic territory, I'm pretty certain, because I want to make it pretty robust, because there's a lot of study that has been done in the book of Genesis. But even though we'll touch on a couple of those things, don't get distracted by that. Um, C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, he said um, about some theologians, they'll notice the, the little hairs on the leaves of the fern, but miss the elephant that is just a few feet away. Uh, and we don't wanna do that. We don't wanna read the book of Genesis that has been passed on from generations to generations. The Jews use the book of Genesis. Uh, Christians use the book of Genesis, right? And then and then get lost somewhere in what are the source documents, J, E, or P, or whatever it is, right? Like you don't wanna, I think for us anyway, at a at grassroots level, we don't wanna get there. At the same time, we don't wanna have um, in our leadership team, as well as in our church, people who have no clue about Genesis at all. The Bible needs to be the anchor for our faith. It needs to be that stand. The Bible means standard, right? And so it needs to be that kind of standard by which we. Uh, it's been, rev- you know, um, uh, in in uh, in Timothy uh, two, is it? Two Timothy three. 16, 1 Timothy 316 uh, it says you know the Bible is 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 given to us for reproof or it's for us to grow and it's God's revealed word um, to us that means we believe that the Bible is divinely inspired right that, it, uh, that that people have been even though you might look at Genesis and oh it's a natural writer writing human things he couldn't have possibly known of course, he couldn't have possibly known what he wrote. No idea. If Moses was the writer of this, which uh, most scholars believe it's Moses, right? And written after the the, the exiles, part of the Pentateuch set, right? Moses, <laughs> as he wrote this, probably did not even reckon, realize how epic some of the things were that he would write. He would not, never have met Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he would never have... Yet some of these prophecies would would come to pass and be fulfilled by Jesus. So what we believe... Is that Jesus was carried by uh, Moses was carried by the Holy Spirit, writing things that he never really fully grasped, but God was directing, like a like a wind that that directs the sail of a ship, just kind of carrying it along and blowing it wherever. And, um, and one, I think, one of the best testaments of the significance of the Bible and why we believe it's truly a supernatural book is it stood the test of time anybody can make claims to divinity anybody can make claims to uh being holy scriptures and and the like um jesus made claims to divinity and he rose from the dead and multiple witnesses saw it and, and the like right similarly genesis and the prophecies of genesis ended up coming to to pass and we um and the bible in particular goes out of its way, which is going to be a recurring theme in Genesis, because some people will read Genesis just as fiction. Um, I want to put it to you that it's deliberately not written as fiction because it goes out of its way to trace genealogies that then trace back to Jesus. If it was fiction, why would they even bother doing that? Why would it? It, it? It's the first part of the Pentateuch. It's trying to explain how God's chosen nation came to be, right? I mean, at the same time, yeah. it's explaining how the world came to be and how right? Yeah. But, but that's only like the first couple of chapters of Genesis. If you, if you ask somebody, like if somebody want, asks you why do we think Genesis was written, it's actually, as, as you know, we've discussed before, it's the first part of the Pentateuch, right? Or the first part of the Torah, right? And it, it, its goal is, since the whole Old Testament is about God's chosen nation and the, the laws that have been given there, and then you go through the kings that they have, the, the, the you know, uh, all the different people that go through there, right? Uh, and the promises that God has and His dealings with His people. And since all of the Old Testament is that, Genesis, in part, right, it hits multiple things, but in part, tries to put real, a reality context to that. That means, hey, Israel was birthed by this people, by this people. It began with Abraham. Abraham, and then before Abraham, there was Noah, right? And then, and then before Noah, there was like a, uh, Adam, right? Like, it goes out of its way. That's why there's so many um, genealogies that we, we broadly skip. Uh, And even the New Testament follows that road. Uh, In the beginning of the New Testament, it begins with genealogies. Matthew pretty much goes, hey, and then genealogies. It's because the Bible and Christianity uh, is backed up by our real life. It's intended, our faith is intended to be a real faith. Um, And that, I think, translates for us even today that Christianity is not meant to be just Ideas that we discuss. Hey, hey, what do you think? Is this a good idea or is this not a good idea? It it's meant to be lived out in our in our lives. We are part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. If you if you wanna, put it, we are his we're his children. We are his offspring. Uh, I'm gonna use the word offspring a lot because that's what Genesis um, carries th- um, through. Right. And so that's a good way to look uh, at Genesis. Uh, so um, I'm gonna begin. I'm gonna say a. Um, uh, actually, maybe what we'll do is, before I take all the easy segments, how about we go around and then um, everybody just sort of say one interesting thing that you found, or, or, or one, um, like, as if you were to m- just be put on the spot as you are today, <laughs> right? And you go, hey, tell me a bit about the book of Genesis, right? And then you just wanted to say one thing about the book of Genesis, right? We're gonna try and go around the room and just come up with something that would, something about the book of Genesis that you would like to bring out to our church member. Let's not worry about the average person who's never even heard of the Bible, who doesn't, right? But a, a faithful Christ follower who wants to be Bible oriented, right? What is one thing that you could say that helps them um, know a little bit more about Genesis? And then what we'll do is we'll go around and we can just talk about each of those. So like as you bring up one of the topics, then I can uh, elaborate on it a little bit more and we'll kind of go from there because I find that it's probably a better idea to begin with the knowledge that we currently have and build on it versus lots and lots and lots of stuff, all right? And actually, I'm going to try and do it by memory, because uh, one of the things I personally am moving to, which I want to encourage you as a Christian to move to, is to actually be able to let Scripture, or the things of Scripture, sit in your heart. That means you, you meditate on it enough that it's actually known by you. So it's not a study thing that you just pull up, that you go, oh, okay, this is, I can talk about Genesis, I, I know Genesis like that. All right, cool. So, who would like to go first? I, I'll give you a clue. First is easier, last is hard because we're not going to be repeating.
1: So, it was a one line question again.
0: So, um, tell us something about Genesis that will be helpful to the average Christian. Okay.
1: Um, I'll go first. Great. Right. <laughs> a, qu- a quick one. Um, for me, the ring of Genesis, I, I feel. Uh, when when um when the Book of Genesis talks about how we as humankind are made in the image of God, it really for me uh, out of that spills a lot of my um, my beliefs, and I think at the core of it, that's, that's such an important concept for as a, as a Christian. I feel that understanding that understands where we came from, um, the image of God has a lot of ramifications for us as a Christian. really. Yes.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Image of God, the name of God, right? Are major themes in the book of Genesis. Mankind is made in the image of God. Throughout the whole of Genesis, you see how sin fractures us away from that image of God. And you see us do things. God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't behave in this way. God wouldn't do the right? God's a good God. He's not like this. He's not like that, And right? And then we make a name for ourselves in the Tower of Babel. And then, right? And then there's all these types of things. And then you're... Uh, um, God's fashioning a, a nation that it's gonna be representative of his name and, and his image and, and these types of things and he's fashioning for himself a people just as he's fashioning for himself a people in Adam, he's fashioning himself a people in, through the generations of Abraham and then uh, in the future we see God fashion a people after Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. It, and so that's it's a it's a really good theme. One way to look at Genesis is um, it is basically, uh, you know, so Genesis is um, we get the English name from the Greek name, right? Um, which means sort of beginning. But in in Hebrew, its actual name is Bereshit, right? Which is, uh, you know, like I, I mean, I don't even know. They they the 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 Hebrew uh, the Jews are very practical. They're just like the Asians. I love it. Like you know, let's not give fancy names to let's not give fancy names to things or, or make up all this like fluff we'll just call the book the first words of the book so uh, it, it's div- divided into kind of like chapters, berishit being the first one Noach is the next one and then like it's just because it, they, you know, Verikiel, it, it just it just takes like the first few words of each one right cool. uh, but berishit means in the beginning right um in 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 the beginning um and so what you see is in the beginning or, or or genesis at the origin of it is god creating a people that reflects him essentially now i know he creates the heavens and the earth and all this right but i want to put it to you that that's ancillary because it begins in chapter one with the global cosmic creation and then it repeats it in chapter two with a zoomed-in look at mankind, which is a clue that actually Genesis is not primarily a book of how the universe works and what happens and the planets and, and how does the plant ecosystem work with the animals got like I mean, maybe you could say some things, but it's not the primary point of it. One of the primary themes is the image of God. Yeah. Alright, and so that's a good, great point, Quentin, because that's a good lens for us to look through Genesis. How do we veer away from God? Would God do this? Kill his brother out of jealousy? Would God, and then you see through Jesus Christ, this is what God does. He would sacrifice his own son. For us. You see through you see God's hand play out even in Genesis. So you've got the image of man, you've got the image of God, right? And then despite the ongoing wickedness of mankind through you get to know it, God gives man another chance. Then we muck it up again. And then despite Babel, instead of completely destroying us and destroying our ability to communicate, no. He still allows us to, to, to communicate and talk. Yet then but then he splits us all up and he chooses again one person and one nation that he's going to raise up to then reach back the whole world and so um, image got perfect who wants to go next Ah, oh, this is so good okay um, yeah I
1: think the most the biggest thing for me is um, the absolute need for humanity's redemption and and the salvation of, of humanity mm-hmm. and I think you just see that through how heavy sin is on humanity and yeah. and how got how God hates sin so much, um, and how He wants to take humanity out of that, and you see that through basically the annihilation of of, of humanity through the flood, right? And yeah. you you see, um, yeah, just um, people always wanting to serve other gods because the because the sin is just basically taking over, and they want to um, just chase other things besides God because they just want to fill that void, and yeah. and then God is just always there, but you know, it's just sort of this contrast between. The light and darkness sort of thing which you also see in, in in even in the creation account yeah um but i guess it's just sort of uh, the beginning of 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 god's redemption plan for for um i guess mm-hmm. yeah for humanity and you see that just sort of progressing throughout the story and through yeah. all the different accounts of yeah of, of the generations i guess so
0: absolutely i yep. mean one of the big themes in genesis is the infirmity of man and the grace of god um, uh, what you need to understand about Hebrew culture or writing culture is it's very cyclical. They really like the repetition and the cyclical nature. That means themes recur, 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 right? So Genesis kicks off a cycle that actually you see in the judges, you see with the kings, you see with the nation of Israel, you see with all of it, and then it just repeats and repeats again. And that kind of thing is... God begins with something good. He does the promises. We fail. And then He gives us a chance again. And then, like, it just keeps kind of repeating. And, and um, I, sometimes you will meet people who say, God is such a terrible God. He has judged all of mankind. We now have all got sin because one guy, or one woman, couldn't resist the fruit that was on the tree. Like, That's ridiculous. That's complete rubbish because Genesis is a testimony that after chance and chance and chance again, Mm. that means after God has reset again with Noah, there's a reason Mm. why God fills the whole earth with water again. Because when it began, the earth was filled with water. Mm. Right? So it's like a, it's a way of saying, hey, we're resetting. Wow, that's crazy. Right? And then, so we're resetting and again we mess up. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, like... So it all we have to do is look at our own lives and think, yeah. and that's why Genesis, I love it, is full of everyday people's lives, mm. right? All we to do is look at our lives and go, "You know what, if we were Adam, we wouldn't have done much better yeah. where something is broken, and we need the lord mm. and and so that's a good lens to look at Genesis because then you, it it it's like a mirror. Calvin says the Bible is like a mirror to our soul. Mm. Um, you see in it the kind of proclivities and tendencies of people to want to cheat, to, uh, you, know, to, you know, cheat customs so that you can get in uh, and lie about your, your, your wife or whatever it is, right? Uh, the, the jealousies that come out, the, the cheating, the, the wanting the fame and the glory, all these types of stories, uh, they are still present today. I wish we would, were able as a society to say we don't have murder anymore mm. but we still do <laughs> like you know so good great The inf- I think a, a good um <laughs> is the infirmity of man and the grace of God is what Genesis kind of brings up okay what else do you want to say about Genesis for me it would mm-hmm. be um, you know the God's promises to the yep you
1: know. Good. And his descendants and the promise that he will bless them. You know? Yes. And uh, so it's a, and also it's not just the promises, but it's also the fulfillment of the promises, even in books like in Isaiah there's already That's written right. about it and things like that.
2: Yeah. Good. But even till this day he's still blessing exactly. exactly. That's right exactly so is the fulfillment of the promises as well as currently you can see it. Yeah. even working today yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely
0: mm-hmm. that's why i think that pattern a pattern framework for reading genesis is really good because what god is doing in genesis he's still doing today yeah. like mm-hmm. or that kind of uh, so uh, that's a really uncle wise point is really good if you go to bible.org right bible.org picks one theme for Genesis. Like there's several and we're going to be talking about several ones, right? But they actually copied go. I see. Right? And um, the major theme well, I that copied them. Oh, right. <laughs> well, Bible.org says that the primary theme for Genesis is God's choice of a nation through whom He would bless all nations. Mm. Like, that God blessed so that other people could be a blessing. In fact, mm. it's... Um, uh, various other commentaries uh, Would point That blessing is the most used word um, yep. In Genesis It's also the um, One of the major themes Of the Genesis And actually for our church We've decided to locate on that theme We haven't randomly chose a theme In Genesis While we could have landed on image of God While we could have landed on Infirmity of man and various others We've decided to go God is really blessed Even from Creation itself with blessing all the different plants. There's heaps of plants, all the animals, the beautiful heavens that mm. look out of the sky, the earth that He has made, right? All of those blessings. But it was not just mankind was to come in there, was not just to, hey, eat, get fat, and be merry. Yeah. That was not it. It was be fruitful. And multiply. Yeah. It was go out and be blessed, and be that blessing. Go out and and so you see a recurring theme that God's promises they they stand true, but they are uh, broadly blessings, and they never terminate with the person. They never. So Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. Pretty much just you, man. You're good. No, he doesn't even go. I'm gonna bless you, Abraham, and all your children only. It doesn't even stop there. I'm gonna bless you, and all the nation, all the nations of the earth are gonna be blessed. That's the that's always been the goal. And so you again see some people uh, they will. And so I'm gonna try and highlight all the major objections to Genesis as we uh, discuss this. Some people will go, God is a very unfair God. He only picked the nation of Israel. You only pick Abraham. You only pick like so and so, right? And that's very, very selfish. It's very, very terrible, right? Right. That's uh, that's one of the arguments. But that it was never God's intent. God's intent was to always begin with the specific, begin with the specific, so that the general can be blessed, so that the world can be blessed. And why does God choose that? Because. You see that again with Jesus Christ, obviously, right? Jesus Christ is one specific person, right? God could have, I don't know, I'm, I mean, it could be heresy, but God could have appeared as a thousand people. I don't know, like whatever, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, But one, one and only, right? And I think one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why God begins with the specific and, uh, and, uh, and then out to the general is because all of us only have this one life to live. All of us have these decisions just as Adam has, that Noah has, that Abraham has, right? That Joseph has, that Jesus himself had to follow as well. And we are called to look at how we live our life specifically so that we can then be that blessing in general to all the nations on the earth. That's a, that's a pattern that, that goes up. So none of God's blessings ever end with us. They never end. Yeah. Uh okay, good. So blessed to be a blessing is one of the themes of Genesis. What else? I mean we don't just have to power through themes, we can. Uh you can tell me a little bit about I think how to think through Genesis. Having even read
2: through Genesis many yep. times. What amazes me is uh, the kind of If it is uh, man written I think even the best writers Cannot come up with The details Mm. Of the stories Mm. Mm. To think of The floods The art Mm. uh, The different languages And the Tower of Babel And the motivations behind it Mm. There's both Big picture and the detail Mm. And the names That are there in it's um, it surely has to be God inspired mm, yeah. it uh, I, and especially those days you know I mean the, the people are not as sophi- probably not as sophisticated those days mm-hmm. they are coming up with stories that even, are better than what Hollywood can, can <laughs> produce. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean like uh, sure. Hollywood makes movies out of it. Yeah. Like the parting of the Red Sea in, mm. in, in Exodus, Exodus and yeah. all these amazing mm. things. And um, mm. you know, it's just uh, it's the the creativity of it is just incredible. Mm-hmm. You see the creator God At work Um, and and that's why man is creative because like Queen says we are in his image Mm. but you see the creativity of God in the book of Genesis Mm. Mm -hmm. to think of a solution to like in the Tower of Babel um, if I were God I'll just swipe them <laughs> and, and just yeah. destroy that building right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than yeah, destroy exactly. the building and, yeah. and swipe them yes. uh, with just one breath, yes he gives them multiple language yeah. but God had is so creative and so uh, wise that through that there is a purpose mm. for mm-hmm. scattering them around the world, around yeah. the world with salvation in mind. Mm. Yes. Because if they are all clumped together, I, I find that uh, when people are clumped together and who resist God, it's very hard to break through. Yes. Mm. Just like uh, our badminton group that I'm reaching <laughs> trying to reach them. Yes. They are most all non mostly non Christians. Yes. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to to, try to to, break him. To, yeah. to to preach the gospel to them. Yes. But what I'm trying to do now is to identify those who are receptive yes. and Reach. open and then yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. invite them separately yes. for lunch or dinner yes. and then talk to them on a personal level. Yeah, yeah. So, so God in the Tower of Babel, yeah. he, He's... Not going to because he doesn't do things by force in a sense to force them mm. to believe, he breaks them up into groups yes. so that uh, the that, that, that power of rebellion is broken yes and then through Abraham that's right he's able to
0: reach these uh, yes. smaller groups yes yeah. it's actually really it's actually really powerful. that whole um, strategy of using one yeah. super hot like you know yeah, like yeah. one really super hot and then go from nation to nation from eight right basically like Acts 1 verse 8 right like start with Jerusalem Samaria and then you yeah. move to the move parts of the world right like that's a brilliant uh, that's a brilliant strategy yeah
2: um,
0: so yeah so the creative nature of Genesis cannot be underestimated You are talking about a piece of literature that has withstood thousands of years. So maybe people date. So maybe it might be a good time to have a quick chat about the dating of Genesis. Um, So again, let's not major on it, right? So I'm just going to give us all a rough understanding. But you know, oh my goodness, scholars can debate till forever, <laughs> right? So let's not even go there, right? It, it makes no difference to how you live your life anyway. So, um, but most scholars would agree that Genesis was initially passed on in, in various forms, that the stories of it was passed on an oral tradition, all right? So, and then it was compiled and written, right? Post-exile by Moses, Yeah. right? the way it's it's told so that very likely the whole pentateuch was written around the same time
2: yeah
0: right it's not like adam and eve started writing genesis 1 and then left that you know and then noah and his people got together and wrote a little bit of like it's it's written as a cohesive reflective book right maybe around the 1000 like between 1,200 BC to 900 and something BC, right? Um, now, why I say that's important is because a lot of the arguments that you're gonna get um, is from people who don't understand that. So they'll go, oh, how how, how could Adam have possibly written it? How could have this been possibly recorded? How could this have happened? Or why is there a contradiction of, right? Um, there are, a, like, the, if you Google Genesis contradictions, the first one that comes up, which is probably the most obvious one to debunk, right? The first one that comes up is, oh, how come the accounts of creation are different between chapter one and chapter two, and some of the orders of things are not exactly the same, right? So a good way to, which is, I think to Uncle Roland's point, why Genesis is such a brilliant creative book. It's 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 done really well. It's It's, so a good way to, the genre, a good genre label out of many labels that I've now read, but the one that is described in the commentary that we use, which I, of all of them, I think I like that the best, is Genesis is story-like history. It means it's history, but not as you would read it in a history, technical history, because they didn't have technical history the way we do modern history, right? Right. It's story-like history. So it's telling you history of real things that happen. But the way they do that is through stories. That's how ancient people conveyed history back then. We cannot put our modern techniques and stuff like you can't say why didn't they have a YouTube video or, or you know whatever it is. It's it's story-like history, right? And so a good way to Think through all the different controversies and the like is you have Moses carried by the Holy Spirit writing and collecting for future generations. I think the
3: he,
2: he probably yes. received divine revelation yeah. of creation and all that was before his time and Adam had already died and all these things at the in the mountain when he was 80 days with God right. and God would have downloaded to him or shown him a video of, yes. of all that happened in the past you yes. know but
0: it's also likely that mm. some so absolutely like I'm absolutely convinced that that Moses wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and God right. downloaded to him yeah. but some of these stories would have been stories he grew up hearing yeah. as the traditions so the people if you understand Moses Oral tra- yeah. What you if you understand Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's house, right? But he was Jew. He was Israel. he' an Israelite. He was he was a Jew, which means he understood the Jewish traditions. He was a special kind of. Uh, people, he was right? raised by his mom. He was Aren't raised you? by his mom. He would have he would have kept those types of things, and that's why he identified so much with the Israel people that he killed somebody <laughs> because of you know uh, the whole thing, right? And so, um, I think while the Holy Spirit definitely in inspired uh, Moses you'll see a lot of scholars talk about there are oral traditions that were then passed on Um, and so a good way to look at Genesis is Moses going how do I best write this so that the people reading this can benefit so he does the big picture in Genesis one and then he zooms in on Genesis 2, right? It's just, a, it's, a, it's a narrative style. In fact, even in, um, so what happens with a lot of the controversies. so if you Google Genesis controversies, you'll see a lot of it applies to us using today's methods and today's tolerances in their day. So, for instance, if I was to ask Quinton, hey, Quinton, how old are you? Quinton would say? 22. <laughs> 22. Right. <laughs> Great. Uh, he would say 22. Not linked to truth at all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, <laughs> right? <a> yes. <laughs> okay, but if he was to say his accurate age, right? 24. 24. 24. Ah, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> 54. <laughs> Plus, yeah, yeah. Plus 12. Okay, right. So <laughs> if he was to say his, ac- his age, he would very likely say it rounded to the nearest year. Right? Or maybe the nearest decade. <laughs> right? But his actual age is in years, months, days, hours, seconds. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. in actual, right? And so when you see, um, especially in the Old Testament, when they say, and all the people were gathered here in the... It's not all the people. It's not all the people. <laughs> They're just trying to say... Majority, like yeah, those people are eight there. Yeah, when they count and it's a nice even number, when they count and it's a nice even number, right? It it's true because while there might be one hundred and forty-four thousand or whatever it is, right? It in in those days they didn't have barcode scanning and all that. what they mean is it's not twelve people. It's not twelve, you know. It's like Quinton's age, like he will round it to some level, right? But he's not five. Round down. Yeah. you not five years old, right? And so... <laughs> not
2: 99.
0: So one of the things you have to understand about Genesis, um, because a lot of people say, is Genesis true or is it not true? Is it true or is it not true? Right? It's a bit like how, like I'm writing the story right now in my book of how Uncle Roland led me to Christ. It, I guarantee you it's based on truth. But when Uncle Roland reads my version of the story... <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'll edit it. i really thought <laughs> he'll edit it. That's
1: why Chris loves the Hebrew one. Yeah, I love the Hebrew one. yeah, says everything he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like is grounded.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but it is still true. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's still true. Uh, it's just not. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that is probably the best way to explain. You'll have all these, like, especially now Google puts all of these weird theories on the hands of the layperson. So there will be all these people who argue, look at the numbering of this. There was such and such number of men here. And then in a parallel account, there was such and such a number. And then those numbers, they don't write. Oh my goodness. They didn't have the internet back then. They are telling truthfully what they remembered and what they saw and what they counted. And so these discrepancies here and there, scholars actually believe that it is um uh, it is proof that the Bible is legitimate. Because if everything matched up, yeah,
2: someone has Someone has faked it. Faked it. Yeah.
0: Especially if you're talking about those ancient documents. Someone has faked it. That's that's why it's a That's why it's an evidence towards truth, not a disproof of truth. Do you get it? Yep. But there is amazing creativity that is being uh, put into Genesis because you also have to understand that the Hebrew vocabulary is probably a thousand times less words than the English in that kind of magnitude than the English language, right? So they have very limited words that they can use. And so they they try to convey a lot of stuff through chiastic structure. They try to convey a lot of stuff by repetition. So they'll say the same thing two times, but in slightly different ways. There's a lot of poetry in it and names are very significant. So they'll even name their children to help them remember an event. or they'll they'll name their, you know, like they'll, because they, they,
2: they
0: don't have a name like that. You don't have these things. Okay, yeah. anyway, so creativity is a great theme in um, the book of Genesis. You actually see God creatively interact. Like it's like a there's no formula in Genesis. God, you see, creatively interacts with us as a human race like a relationship. Yeah, it's actually so beautiful. Like one of the I was reading one of the commentaries, it's a beautiful testament of the creative relationship that God has with His creation. Unlike a lot of other religious texts, which are very formulaic. Yeah, all right, good. Let's go next. I was gonna say
3: the relationship. Okay, talk a little bit about even from the get go God had a plan even when we stopped up he had a plan ready to go and then yes. it's just it's so nice to see and how much mm. he's not forcing himself on us and like even from the beginning it's just he understands he understands his creation like and, yeah. and how we work and how imperfect we are he made a way like from the very beginning there was a way yeah. to restore the relationship and that's just
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good way to look at Genesis is that it's been deliberately written as a relational. I mean, obviously, it's got lots of people and genealogies and things like that, right? They're all relationships, so fathers, sons, and um, grandfathers and the like. But it's it's a relational. Genesis is a relational book. That's why, in our pastoral year, we've picked Genesis uh, as the book. Hmm. Other religious accounts of the day. Um, And of ancient religions do not portray their gods as, oh, a good God who walked with Adam Mm. side by side by the cool breeze of the day who who redeems and speaks in with Abraham uh, like God is depicted in Genesis as somebody who wants to relate with his creation Mm. who is after and chasing after the good of his creation. Why, why is he so harsh on sin? Partly because it fractures the relationship. Sin, one way to think of sin is a relationship fracturer. Right? So if you're married, Ruth and Jordan are married, if, the, if you sin against each other, it, even if nobody's hurt, nothing, no money was lost, no property was damaged or whatever it is, right? The sin of lying, let's say, of cheating or whatever else it is, right? Even if it has no other effect, it fractures your relationship. Mm. And that's why God is so brutal. One of the reasons anyway, why God is so brutal against sin. He needs to weed it out Mm. because it is a relationship breaker. Mm. Sin is a relationship breaker. Mm. And God (coughs) is a covenant keeper.
3: Mm.
0: right? Covenants make... For good relationships, mm.
3: Mm.
0: which we, uh, you know, we we lose sight of that. But covenant, the way to think of covenant is covenants make good foundations for relationship, because you know the person's not going to leave you uh, mm. the minute you're having a bad day,
3: mm.
0: <laughs> right? Your your spouse ditches you, like mm. oh my goodness, like that's not that's not good for a relationship. It creates mm. a very insecure environment, right? Yeah. Uh, you see that in all that God is trying to say, hey, I'm in covenant relationship with you. That's mm. the kind of relationship
3: mm.
0: that I'm interested in in having with mankind. And, and that comes out all across Genesis. Yeah. All across Genesis. So absolutely, relationship is one of the big themes in Genesis. Perfect. Let me go first. Drop. Uh, okay, well,
1: mine's not really... But for me kind of
0: the government part but I think the the practical reminder of I guess like a rainbow
3: mm-hmm. I think
0: practically that probably helps me a bit more
1: because it kind of talks about how like all the promises in the Bible are true and mm-hmm. not. but I guess having the establishing part in Genesis kind of helps make it make sense a little bit more yeah and then yeah like even even like my pastor was saying, like it's all like the family and their relationships kind of thing. Like Genesis kind of reminds me of like a dodgy, dodgy version of modern family where
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like different families, all
1: even yeah. though their lives are all intertwined, they all also have different things that they're all trying. Yeah,
0: they're all or going to. through. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's right. It's actually that's very interesting to see in Genesis. That there is really no perfect family uh, in there. Almost every family depicted <laughs> in Genesis cannot be put up as the model family, right? <laughs> like who, who would we model the family after, right? Um, and so I, I think it, it's such a gritty, I mean why you link it to Modern Family the sitcom, right? Is because one of the things that Modern Family the sitcom is doing well in and why it's so popular is it reflects the very gritty, diverse, dysfunctional, real family situations that we're all in today, right? That it's not the it's not the Cosby Show, which turned out to be very fake because Bill Cosby was really terrible, <laughs> right? Like, do you know what I mean? But it's not like it's not like the Cosby Show, which tried to show the ideal family, modern family tries to depict chaotic as close to real life type family as possible genesis is a little bit like that right um and so in that we can see what is not changing though is god so we see how the different forms of our family and the different shortcuts we take and when we act in fear versus faith and various other things we see god is still the same He still interacts with us the same. He still calls us back and um, in all of these different types of situations. Um, So that's pretty good. And I like Nick's um, uh, example of the rainbow. What's really good about the book of Genesis is there's things in the book of Genesis that despite having probably been either written 4,000 years ago or have been spoken of thousands of years, we can still see them around today. Like the rainbow, like the nation of Israel. <laughs> like do you know what I mean? Like these types of things that Genesis talks about is hasn't taken a a turn away from our current real life. We're seeing that fruit today still. So that's good.
1: Um, so for me. <clears throat> A lot of it were taken, but one I got to um, was obedience, mm-hmm. um, and about yeah. how we can see like a trust in God's will. Yeah. Uh, and Good. so, when they do trust in God's will and they obey, mm. we see so much come out of it. Yeah. Mm. Like, for example, like Abraham when he trusted, um, when he obeyed. Yeah. Um, with Joseph, yes. same thing. Yes. Um, and Noah, even to you yeah. sure know trust to God chill. that the yep. blood is actually coming. Exactly. Um, there was a lot of obedience yeah. Um, yeah. throughout. The entire book,
0: yeah, yeah, perfect. Oh my goodness, so good. Obedience is actually one of the big themes of Genesis, and it's such a key mm. element uh, in Genesis. So uh, obedience happens when you align with God's vision and His purpose. When you align with His will, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's us in obedience. But um, so particularly significant. So thanks for throwing to that. Particularly significant is our anchor verse this year right and broadly it goes uh, and through your offspring right Uh, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you obeyed my voice the link between God's blessings and his his promises and all that is obedience actually it really is obedience disobedience breaks us off from God it brings about its curses it it, it separates us from God disobedience right obedience so that's why our anchor verse says like all the nations are gonna be blessed because you obeyed my voice obedience is absolutely the key and one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get out of the book of Genesis is actually at some level as a Christian We don't necessarily need to understand God's timing, God's rationale, His purposes. Mm. We don't have to really get into that. In fact, the Hebrew writers, in fact, you'll see this in the commentary that we're reading, Hebrew writers go out of their way to not put in any reasons behind things. They strip out these rationales, a bit like an Asian mother. Right? They just don't tell you why, <laughs> right? And so, Abraham never knows why God still hasn't delivered on his promise. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know why he has to sacrifice his own son. He doesn't know why, right? God just said, take your son and go and right? He doesn't know. I mean, God could have sat down and go, Oh, thousands of years later this is gonna be a type for Jesus Christ and oh my goodness you're gonna you're gonna love this it's gonna be so good right but instead God just says to Abraham hey you do this you do this and Abraham part of why he steps into that blessing into that promise why all the nations of the world are blessed right and his offspring and all those things is because he just obeyed almost like through just faith in God just putting his faith in God Mm. now you hear me very very careful not to say the words blind faith I don't like the word blind faith yep because the faith that Abraham puts in God sure it's faith because God hasn't given the, the, the reason he hasn't done all right so there's some level of trust and faith but it's not blind because Abraham knows the character of God He knows who God is. He's got testimonies in his own life of how good God already has been to him. He also has been brought up with all of the stories and all of the stuff that is known about God. And he has a relationship with God. So he's got reasons to have faith in God. He's got real, tangible reasons to have faith in God. So his faith is not blind. It's not like a person who... Who meets a girl for the first time, you know, and, and falls in love at first sight and is blind love. It's not like that. He's got a long standing relationship with God, a God who's kept his promises. But it's faith nonetheless.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, that's a, uh, for me anyway, that's a good kind of tension. Um, that, that we are called to obedience to God, almost in faith. Why should yeah. we tithe? Why why, why why? do we need to read our Bible? Why do we need to, you know, uh, go when God calls us to places? You know, I, I don't know. I have to go by faith. I have to obey God who calls me. But it's not completely blind because I know who God is. I know He's a good God. I know that when He asks me to do this, it's good. I'm like, yeah. And so that's the tension that we got. All right. Cool, great. So that's, uh, that's a good, oh my goodness, fantastic. That's a good overview of the book of Genesis. Some of the major themes in the book of Genesis, some of the things it talks about. There's lots of ways to cut the book of Genesis. I mean, one way to cut it is Genesis 1 to 11 are the epic events, and then from 11 onwards are the family of Abraham right or terror right another way to cut it is 1 to 11 the uh, epic events and then 11 to whatever it is like 20 something or 30 something uh, is Abraham Isaac and Jacob right I'm the God of Abraham Isaac and uh, Jacob and then cut it again with Joseph because Joseph is like one of the biggest sections on a per- like Joseph is one of the biggest sections in the book of Genesis. Yeah. Um, great. So I hope you take some time to read through Genesis and and I think something like this is helpful because then as you read through Genesis and you already know what the major themes are, you know what God's trying to be doing through that, right? As you read you go, "Oh my goodness, there it is. This is this is what it's uh, going." All right. Now, does anybody have any questions that they want to ask or or or, or things that you've heard that might be tricky as we talk about Genesis as you, you know, like you allude to Genesis stories in youth group or you cover Genesis in kids or whatever else it is, right? What are some of the things that bug you about Genesis? And then we can uh, wrap it up in about 10, 15 minutes.
2: I I didn't quite like that part in the book where it says that uh, he was uh, a, a bit ridiculing the fact that God breathed into dust Mm. And he doesn't seem to think that that is literal, <coughs> right. but God can breathe into dust. Absolutely. And so, why why can't they believe that, and they have yeah. to make it figurative? Right.
0: Yeah. 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 I think um, so. What you'll find, is, what I've discovered anyway in yeah. trying to look through a range of commentaries, yeah. is I can't find. A single commentary that yeah. I agree with a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. just—it's just not uh, possible. And of I think, course. Um, to almost the detriment of the Pentecostal movement, yeah, we don't have a lot of Pentecostal theologians. Yeah. that invest time in scholarly writing. Like it's just a lot of the Pentecostal heavyweights spend their time reaching out, cr- you know, with yeah. the gospel, doing the work <laughs> of the ministry. I all the great things that are leading Pentecostalism to be the fastest growing church movement in the world today and the transformation of souls and the miracles and healing so brilliant but then when you start to get into that study element even if I read Pentecostal writers it's almost theology rigor light it's it's on that light side right and so you, every, every time you read any commentary I think you you've got to take with a pinch of salt some of the things that they will say what I like about our current commentary in there is he while he will say his sort of biases and his things he holds it loosely he's not so adamant yeah, yeah. about it yeah. as some of these others that are convinced Adam's not even real and then yeah, yeah. Or whatever yeah So, um, he has a semi-fair point though, so like, it's worth for us as a team, to, some of these things we have to hold a little bit loosely, right? He has a fair point that, um, it's very likely that Moses would have retold the creation story the way he heard it, and the way it would have been described by very ancient, pre-writing humans, that humans before writing and any of these types of things would have just described the account as god blowing and, and right those types of things which may depending on how you translate ancient sumerian literature and various others right may be figurative may it may be real it may be actually real no because yep. it, it 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 ties in with the new
2: testament Because God's breath is the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And that's what distinguishes us from animals. Absolutely. He never breathed into each and every animal. It's only man, the life giving spirit. Absolutely. He he breathed into him. And that's what gives us that spirit that distinguishes us from all animals. That's why it's truth. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's why I think they try to knock it too much and sure. try and make it that oh these ancient people, they just are too figurative and, and yes, but it's
0: still that. true though. So it's true. yeah yeah. So what um, the theologian what um, Moses wrote down yeah. is tr- it's still true. Yeah. But it's like Quinton saying his age. His age is still true, right? That's not true. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Quentin lied. <laughs> but, you know, like like you know, like it's yeah, still yeah. true. But Genesis is not trying to explain the scientific process. No? no, but it's it's trying to communicate that we
2: have the breath of God. Yes. The Holy That's Spirit right.
0: That's what it's trying to do. Exactly. The
2: spirit of man That's right. is different from the spirit of all animals. That's right. You, you get what I mean. That's why it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yes. So by knocking that, when you make something too figurative, yes, it 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 takes away it. You lose the impact of that. Yes. You see. Yes. And and so you you when you start reading. Oh, is 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 this figurative all the time? You are thinking figurative, figurative, so much so that the whole uh, that's right. Whole purpose. After a while, man beg- begins to take the whole Bible as, as figurative. figurative. Yes, and then that's where you have churches uh, okay. diluting. They, they say healing is figurative. Salvation is That's figurative. Right. That's right. Everything becomes
0: figurative. Heaven is figurative. Yeah, heaven is... There's no more yeah. heaven and That's no more right. hell. It's not literal That's anymore. Right. That's right. Yes. So, I I don't think this author goes that far. That's one of the reasons why... I yeah, but I right. didn't
2: like the way he, yep. he he expressed it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, sure. And also, that, that part, the difference between Genesis 1 and 2 mm. account, where uh, in so, Genesis one it says that Adam came was created last and then genesis 2 said that man was there and then the vegetation and all was then created yes. but as i was explaining to jordan the other day that it may be chapter 2 may be describing the garden of eden different from yeah. genesis I w- 1 i wouldn't
0: make too much of a deal over it because yeah. the tenses in hebrew yeah. are not like the tenses the tense... It, yeah, So I know. when you get into it, right? So it, it was, it's not meant to convey the timing.
2: I know, yeah. but it, it, it's saying that this was done after the, the word...
0: No. Yeah, yeah so, in like,
2: Genesis 2, so, it describes that man was there first, and then the, there was no uh, uh, vegetation. And then you,
0: right. you were... So... Um, creation.com yeah.
2: uh,
0: which is a website for creation ministries and they go right some of the things there maybe like they have a pretty good explanation I think if you understand the Hebrew text right, right. they have a pretty good answer. so I'll read um, I'll, I'll read their um, I'll read their explanation because the number one Genesis contradiction when you google is between Genesis 1 and chapter 2 that's the number one that hits on on around, on, right? In Genesis chapter 2, the order of creation seems to be different from that in gen- Genesis chapter 1, with the animals being created in 2 verse 19, after Adam, which is in 2 verse 7. Doesn't the Bible contradict itself here? That's the main question. Right. Uh, between the creation of Adam and the creation of Eve, uh, uh, okay, so, uh, i skip this. On the surface, this seems to say that the land beasts and the birds were created between Adam and Eve. However, Jewish scholars apparently did not recognize the conflict at all. They didn't see that as contradictory, right? Uh, why is this? Because in the Hebrew, the precise tense of the verb is determined by the context, which we know. If you translate Hebrew often, you, 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 you know they're just, it's psycho, right? Because it's such a context-ridden, it's like, Uncle roland's jokes. You have to understand the context in order to get it, right? It's just that's their culture and their life. So the tense of a verb is determined by its context. It's clear from chapter one that the beasts and the birds were created before Adam. So Jewish scholars would have understood the verb formed in Genesis 2.19 to mean had formed or having formed. And we would have translated Verse nineteen, as followed, as one, some of the translations do. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the beasts of the field, and then the apparent disagreement with Genesis one disappears completely. It's within the semantic range. I, I no, no, this this is the
2: early part of Genesis two, where it says um, two seven. 2 5 it says when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and the mist was going up from and then the lord formed the man out of the dust yes. and breathed into his nostrils and and the breath the breath of life and the man became a living creature yes and and the Lord God planted a garden.
0: Yes. So yeah. So that's right. So that part is definitely talking about garden of garden Eden. Garden of Eden. That's right. So there were yes. already plants and animals around, <coughs> but it had not yet come to that area. Yeah, you know, that's yes, right. Yes. That's right. So that yeah, that part is correct. But what um the most of the contradiction goes around the um when it goes to uh nineteen uh. uh uh now out of the ground the law god had formed every beast of the field and every yeah so the way you do that tense in verse 19 right right is like had formed said, yeah uh, honestly 90% of the contradictions in genesis tense is tense and a, un, a misunderstanding of the Con- context and culture of he- of the Hebrew culture itself. yeah, right. The Hebrew, so we're overlaying Greek or modern day sensitivities over Hebrew text. So Jewish scholars have no problems with it. The, yeah. Jew, the, the good indication is that the people who wrote it and the people who it's for, they've got no problems with it. <laughs> but all of us modern people grow up in Australia, grow up in the size, whatever, right? We're like, oh my goodness, this is so, this is a deal breaker. <laughs> How could it have been a deal breaker? It's like, you know? um it it was not a deal breaker for the jewish people even. yeah yeah is is one way to, to to look at it but like, do you think just, also
1: they could be yes. a bit biased with their judgment because it's their holy book so then to to some extent they'll be like oh well, it's infallible so then therefore they wouldn't even question something absolutely
0: yep. absolutely so you see a lot of um uh you see a lot of uh nations um and do that. So, Bhavigad Gita, right, with their holy book, um, uh, the Hindu uh, one, right? So, or, or even in, in Islam, how do they handle it versus the Jews? They basically go, yeah, the, the elephant with the 12 arms and the thing, it's not in this plane. We're not in, no, we're not in the, all the contradictions, and then they remove it from reality the Jews actually really believe this occurred
2: yeah so this is the thing you see when you go figurative yeah then it can go into
0: myths and all that yes 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 Yes. so but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater right because some things maybe symbolic yeah while it's truth right it's not necessarily literal so there's a difference between truth and literal truth I can say something that's true, but it may not be literally true. Do you understand that? Like, Quinton is 34. It's broadly true, but it's not literally true. Like, there's a, there's a difference between... Um, and, and what happens in particular with the Bible, and this goes through all of the Bible... When you're trying to explain concepts that mankind has no clue about like the God who created them, what does eternity look like, right? It's very hard to only do literal truth because we have no literal grounding example to deal with so then you're in symbolism. God's like a, Holy Spirit's like a dove. How are you going to describe the Holy Spirit anyway? Are you going to describe? You cannot literally describe the Holy Spirit. Who's going to literally describe the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit's God. He has so many facets mm. that maybe even uh, John writes about Jesus. You can't even have a literal account of Jesus. You can't. Because John says, if everything Jesus did and everything he said and all that he was was written down, there wouldn't even be enough books to contain it. Right? Mm. That's what... That's that's in the gospels.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, so it's, so John himself, mm. the person who says that, when he writes the gospels, oh my goodness, that guy is figurative. Here is the light of the world, and we are the whatever. He goes out of all the gospel writers, he goes the most symbolic. So, Uncle Ron's point is uh, absolutely correct. We must not look at scripture and go it's so figurative it's divorced from reality Mm. but at the same time let's not portray that the Bible in particular Genesis is a literal only account of everything
3: Mm.
0: it's not a literal only account that's why I like the genre story like history is the best way it's like me trying to tell the truth it's like me trying to tell the truth of what happened when I was young and Uncle Roland brought me to the Lord I'm trying to tell the truth about it. Like, we're gonna we're gonna be truthful about it. But was it literal? I don't know, because somebody may be able to in a thousand years, point cracks at that. But the statement and every word that we write will be true. Yeah. Cool.
2: Uh, yeah. The other thing you talk about is that
1: God breathed into the dust to form <laughs> man. It reminds me of, uh, like, evolution. Mm-hmm. Evolution oh. from animals then suddenly yes. become man. Yes. But when that one when God breathed into man, is actually man first, not animal first.
2: Yeah. See, but evolution. Uh, so e- evolution the, uh, shows that man and animals are the same. It's just a progression, a yes. but this Genesis account yes. distinguishes yeah. man from everything else. Yeah, yeah, that's right. every yeah, living. Yeah. Thing that's is. basically, and the world was created for man. Yeah, yes. it's the whole focus. Yes, is God pampers man to make everything.
0: Yes, just yes. for
2: him. That's why he created. That's him why it's last. such a blessing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, creation. The creation account actually sits... In in deep contrast to the fundamental understandings of evolution, because the first few words of Genesis go in the beginning God, right? Which means God is the initiator. We talk about creation ex nihilo, right? Or uh, the bara. Uh, you know, you you'll do some research on the bara word that's being used in there, right? Um, there's all of the stuff that sits contrary to there is no God and things just evolved Genesis goes out of its way to say if there's one big point about Genesis it is that God is active in the creation process he's the initiator of the whole thing yeah which evolution doesn't have God as the initiator at all it has no God (laughs) yeah that's right okay cool we might wrap it up at that Um, I'm hoping you guys will enjoy uh, the book of Genesis as we go through it all of this year. Uh, happy to of dialogues. Also, there's a possibility we might run some further theological training around Genesis. But I'm way more interested in um, you applying the book of Genesis and some of these stories into your real life as is intended. Thank you.